Good morning, guys. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Am I audible? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, right. So yesterday we started with Mughals, right? We have to start with Mughals. What do you know about Mughals? How much do you know about Mughals? Guys, what's happening there? Sir, ah, what do you know about Mughals? How much do you know about Mughals? Mughals? Yes. Starting from Babur mm. to Aurangazib. Okay, good. Mm. And there were many systems. Mm. Mansabdar, Jagirdar. Mm. And they had done a very good administration. Not very good, but a comparatively a good administration. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Good. Other people, what do you know about Mughals? How much you know about Mughals?
म्हणतो म्हणतो ओके एनी वन एल्स guys sir uh, mughal ruled <laughs> india during uh, 16th century between mm. 16th and 17 mm. then uh, it was more related to the spread of islam okay and during this time the art uh, they gave more prominence to arts and culture okay and they bought different um rules and regulations based on religion mm. good so this is about moguls right okay anyone else any contribution to what moguls did how moguls did is there any speciality or uniqueness about moguls from all those previous kings kingdom empire that ruled over india for a long period of time or after mughal okay is there any unique unique thing about mughal that separates them from all the previous people all the you know predecessors of moguls is there anything don't know amirs okay right so anyways we'll start with the moguls so what we are going to see is the foundation of mughal empire the rule in india and after that how different uh, people different kings starting with humayun going through uh, i mean starting with babar humayun and the interim period of shahsa suri then ascendance of akbar rule of akbar how akbar changed the entire mughal rule in india and how the policy of akbar impacted india to a great extent and after that jahangir shah jahan those two people who greatly contributed to the development of painting art and architecture in india then it's aurangzeb and his intolerant religious policies okay and the downfall of mughal empire eventually okay so these are certain things that we have to see from mughal point of view and apart from that there was a huge development of bhakti and sufi movement happening one side during the period of mughal empire okay when the one part of india that was ruled by mughals 
having Persian as their court language. Okay, they heavily contributed in the development of certain dances. Is there any specific dance? They, they, they have used the Turkish language. Huh? Turkish, Turkish. What? Turkish language, Turkish. Mughals. A court language, you are saying it is Turkish. Yeah, they have used. Hmm. Right. Anything special about them? Uh, I mean, uh, their uh, music and dance. Is there any particular music and dance they contributed heavily in India? Guys? Persian language is the court language of Mughals, not Turks, not Turk, Turkish language, it's Persian language. Gazal, Katak. Yeah, Katak. Good. Gazal, Tumri, Katak. Okay. So these are some of the music and uh, dance they contributed heavily in India. Apart from that, paintings also. Okay. You can see clearly see that while the Mughals were going into ruin during the downfall of Mughal period, the painters of Mughal region, they moved towards Himachal Pradesh. After moving to Himachal Pradesh, they established a particular painting there. Okay. And those people stayed there, developed painting. Okay. And uh, this painting became very famous all over the world. Um, anyone remember the name? Himachal Pradesh. Miniatures. Miniature painting is during the Jahangir period. What I'm saying is, when the Mughal Empire was declining, some of the poets, I mean, sorry, some of the painters, they had no other way except to move to other regions so to sustain themselves. So some of them moved to Himachal Pradesh and there they settled and developed a particular kind of painting. Kangra. Huh? Kangra. Something. Yes, Kangra. Kangra. Good. Okay. So, uh, Kangra painting became very famous and uh, indirectly Mughals were the contributors for the development of Kangra painting also. Okay, right, good. So, we'll start with Mughal now. So, before that, you know about the disintegration of Delhi Sultanate. You know that Delhi Sultanate was established around uh, 1200 uh, AD and uh, initially they were Turks and uh, finally it ended with the Afghan rulers of Lodis. 
right? And you know that there was a constant struggle between various groups. One side, Mongol invasion continuously, Alauddin Khilji defended, then Tukluk defended, right? Then uh, Afghans came into picture, Lodi's won, Lodi ruled for over 70 years. Then, uh, you know, with the invite of Babur, the Delhi Sultanate slowly went out of the picture. Right? So, anyways, we saw all these things. Reasons behind the downfall of Delhi Sultanate. So, you, we saw yesterday, right? So, what are the reasons for the disintegration of Delhi Sultanate? Reasons for the disintegration of Delhi Sultanate. Guys, reason for the disintegration of Delhi Sultan. Come on, yesterday only we saw. What are the reasons for the disintegration of Delhi Sultanate? Various small powers raised. Invasion. Okay. Invasion. Hmm. Invasion from? Uh, Timur's. Timura. Ah. Okay. Invasion from Mughals. Hmm. Then. Right, here, the background. One thing is, they had to rule over a large territory. And obviously, you know that ruling over a large territory with the governors under you, or with the subsidiary governments under you, it's a huge problem, right? One issue, one major issue is, for example, even current day, if you take India, India has a large extent Okay, you know that it, it starts from 8.7 degree north to 37.6 degree north and east, west, like, you know, 30 degree longitude, 30 degree latitude extent, 3.28 million square kilometers divided into more than 28 states, 29 states with union territories and everything. So, controlling a large extent with subsidiary governments or central state governments or governors, okay, uh, it's it's a very difficult thing, okay? That too for a country with huge diversity, people speaking different languages, a different region with different language, dialects, okay? And especially the central India was majorly, you know, forested land, which is controlled by tribal 
multiple lots so it is a very difficult task to control a huge territory and uh, not having any problem right so one thing is ruling over a large territory right second thing uh, the mughal created uh, the empire okay and they slowly expanded it uh, like the mughal expansion and obviously the other things are um no uh, the nobles as someone said continuously every king once after he ascends the throne he has to control the nobles either by giving concession or by you know imposing strict measures against the nobles so controlling nobles is another herculean task which all the kings had to undergo okay so one side they had to control the uh, nobles the other side they had to control a large territory okay and apart from that is there anything else failure for the delhi sultanates downfall of delhi sultanates guys anything else reason for the downfall of delhi sultanates Hmm. 43 people are there online but i am not getting any answer rebellions whether camain hmm how about war of succession battle of panpat hmm battle of panipat battle of panipat yes sir that's okay what i'm asking is about war of succession succession wars guys one compass what to an extent it is true huh to an extent it is true uh, like extension of... extension of no to an extent it is true the war of succession okay hmm kartika there wasn't any unity among the successors okay one thing is the war of succession okay uh, alauddin khilji he killed his father in law to ascend to the throne right how about tukluk mbt mohammed bin tukluk and firosha tukluk how about firosha tukluk sikandar lodi aurangzeb I'm sorry. Uh, leave our hands. Uh, Pirosha Tukluk, 
Sikandar Lodi. Right? The intolerant religious policies, the taxes, okay, the intolerant religious policies towards other religion people, the zizia tax, apart from that, the intolerant policy towards the minority within the Islamic population, towards Indian Muslims, towards Shia Muslims, okay. So their intolerant policy towards different sections of the society that also created issue in the country, right? And you know, the war of succession continuously one after the other, okay? After the death of each king, the next king had to go through hell a lot of pain and uh, conspiracies to ascend to the throne, okay? He asked to, he had, I mean, people, I mean, the kings had to kill other people okay in the line of war of succession every 20 years every 30 years one after the other king had to kill a lot of people to ascend to the throne so bloody war of successions right religious intolerant policies controlling a large territory with such a huge diversity okay so all this contributed and invasions, invasion from the Mongols, continuous invasion from the Mongols. And finally, the Babur invasion was just a final nail, nail in the coffin. Okay. So reasons for the fall of Delhi Sultanate. So next, uh, that is the reason why Delhi Sultanate fall. And after that, Mughal rose to the power. The background about the Mughal, as I was asking, some of you said, uh, Mughals ruled India for over seven centuries, right? The expansion and extent of Mughal Empire from New Delhi, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, and it even extended towards South India, right? except leaving uh, certain parts of Kerala, Tamil Nadu. So they ruled almost the entire India. And, and the superstructures they came up with during their period, not just the, 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 the you know, not just the architectural structure I'm speaking, but also the governance structure they implemented during the period as a long-standing political legacy, okay? And you know that Red Fort. Red Fort was built by whom? Shajan. Huh? Shajan. Yeah, good. Right. So, till today, if you see, Mughal holds a unique you know, architectural differentiation from all the previous successes. And not just architectural uniqueness, but also Till date, you can see Mughal structures all over India. Okay. So, one, one thing is the Prime Minister address of the Indian Nation of Independence Day in Red Fort every year. Right? Okay. It's okay, these things you know, uh, the northwestern part of India they came into. So, this is the timeline of Mughal Empire. It all starts with Babur in 1526. He ruled for just four years. He came into India, 
he ruled for four years then he died after that his son humayun he ascended to the throne he started in the year 1530 and for over 26 years in the intermittent period when sheshasuri ruled over india and after that again humayun captured india and ruled for a certain period and he also died and the longest ruling of mughal emperor was akbar right how many years how many years 49 yeah 49 it's there in the slide anyways you just have to calculate right so 49 years of rule by akbar and apart from that jahangir sajahan aurangzeb were the important rulers of mughal empire and you know right after the death of aurangzeb the mughal empire went into ruins disintegrated because of their own system and also the advent of europeans okay which was coincidental for the downfall of mughal empire anyways so the background about mughals you know right the mughal come from a, a, you know great lineage one side chengiz khan lineage the other side taimuri lineage okay so the chengiz khan lineage from the mother side they were mongol tribes belonging to asia and the central china okay sorry sorry central asia and china and from the father side they are the successors of taimur that is modern central asia iran iraq modern day turkey including okay but however they did not like their mother descendancy that's why they hated the word mogul mongol but unfortunately that became their name okay so reason is one thing chengiz khan is known for you know massacring innumerable people as i say as there was i mean as there in this slides chengiz khan is known for killing a large number of people even his own people okay and also babar was wandering for a, you know for a long period of time to find a suitable home for him because his home was invaded by the uzbeks okay who were the direct descendants of chengiz khan so chengiz khan though they belong to the you know descendancy of chengiz khan they hated him for the reasons that their home was destroyed by the direct descendants of chengiz khan and finally they found a home in india right so how are mughals different from the delhi sultanates how are the mughals different from delhi sultanate guys how are mughals they are origin from delhi hmm what uh, based on their origin not getting you what
മുഗൾ റൂഡ് ബൈ സിംഗിൾ ഡയനസ്റ്റിനോ Guys, am I audible now? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ah. Tell me. Yeah, the Mughals ruled by the single dynasty. Good, very good. Mm. But the um, Delhi Sultanate like slave many, many dynasties there, no? Kilji. Good, very good. so one major difference is delhi sultanates there were different dynasties whereas mughal they there was a single dynasty and uh, yeah like father son father son that's how they ruled okay quite good anything else difference between delhi sultanate and mughal they were more liberal than mughals arishwar kartika who introduced zizia tax hmm who introduced zizia tax okay shikandar lodi firosha tuklak who were very intolerant towards other religion religiously intolerant people from delhi sultanate or from mughals സ്പെഷ്യൽ പ്ലേസ് a building for uh, non muslim scholars to get uh, to get into a meeting hmm. 
Fatehpur Shikri. Sulhi Kul. Ibadakana. Ibadakana. Dinilahi. Okay. And especially the major contribution is Akbar. Okay. Whereas during Aurangazeb period, everything got reversed. That's another matter. But as such, if you see, Mughals were more lenient, more uh, liberal compared to the Delhi Sultanates. I can't see. What? Afla, you are saying something? No, sir. No. Ah, okay. Marriage alliances with Rajput. Ma'am? Marriage alliance with Rajput. Yes. Matrimonial alliance with Rajputs. Right. So, comparatively, Mughals were more liberal than the Delhi Sultanates. Good. Anything else? Any other difference? between Delhi Sultanates and Mughals. So, for Delhi Sultanate, they started uh, Ikkadari system and uh, Mughals started Manzabdari system. Yes, good. But I'm asking about, uh, right, okay. Difference I'm asking. Anyways, Manzabdari system is more of, uh, no, the Ikkadari system only. Right, no problem. Hmm. Guys, this is a huge potential question from medieval Indian history. The comparing and contrasting the point between Mughals and Delhi Sultanates. It's a potential question. That's why I'm asking. Okay, is there any similarities between these two people, Delhi Sultanates and the Mughals? Hmm? Similarities. Muslim rulers. Okay, Islamic rulers. Mm. Then. Then. Administration based on Islamic laws. Ma'am? Sir, am I audible? Yes. Administration was based on Muslim laws. Okay, administration based upon Islamic laws. Okay. Hmm. Then. Uh, both are okay. tried to suppress Hindu. Both Hindus. Hindus. Mm. Okay, in a way, yes. Right. Hmm. Anything else? Similarities? Centralized rule. Huh? Highly centralized rule. Centralized rule, okay. Mm. Then. Both of them captured almost the entire uh, uh, Indian subcontinent, right? Their rule extended from 
north west to even southern part of india okay and their east extension went up to assam what about art and architectural development indo islamic architecture delhi sultanates introduced arts domes curvilinear uh, towers and it was you no know, um, it was heavily used by the moguls jali works okay so the architectural similarities the indo islamic influence started during the period of delhi sultanate and achieved its pinnacle during the period of moguls that's one similarity other than that is there anything else guys other than that is there anything else Hmm. What happened to you people, Abdullah, Adrika, Apla, Akash? You people who regularly interact in the class. What happened to you, Deepa? okay next the significance of babur's advent so there are uh, two significance important significance out of babur's advent one thing is the geo strategic significance the other one is the economic significance okay so first thing is the geo strategic significance if you see the region of kabul and kandahar okay you know that this region is important for the invasion okay anyone who's controlling this region anyone who's able to penetrate to, through this region they definitely have a part of them dedicated a part of them they can take out from the indian map okay so uh, the kabul and the kandahar region if you see uh, whether it's delhi sultanate whether it is moguls or whether those people of ancient period everyone came into india through this region okay so anyone who controlled this region they control the entire indian polity right if they control the northwestern part 
if they were able to successfully control the northwestern part from the invasions they can easily rule over the indian entire indian region okay so the india's security majorly lies in the strengthening of this kabul and kandahar region right so one geostrategic significance of babur's advantage he was able to understand this geostrategic significance and able to conquer this region so that he slowly penetrated towards delhi and started capturing other regions and obviously you know that the successors of babur himayun and akbar slowly expanded their region extended their regions by controlling the entire india by suppressing rajputs and other hindu kingdoms right then economic significance kabul and kandahar it positioned in an important trade route am i right what is the important of this trade route anyways important of this kabul and kandahar trade route silk route okay that's it silk route nothing else frontiers hmm. silk route frontiers is there anything else economic significance okay amal if by controlling the silk route what else one can control how the silk route helps the or gives the economic significance first of all guys connection western east asia mostly trade happens through this duty okay yeah as you all three said it's a combination of various factors one thing is the connection between east and west asia this is the connecting trade route between east and west asia so that the duty collected okay by providing a safe trade route for the traders and the gifts showered by the traders okay it help the country to strengthen its economic position whoever control this trade route they control this entire region okay and whoever was able to control this entire region could control or establish a strong polity in, in the in the indian soil yes right 
red root anything else apart from this economic significance of kabul and kandahar region that's it anything else Okay, I think I should move on. Right. So, anyways, this strategic, geostrategic, and economic significance helped Babur to establish a great empire in India. Right. You know the six major rulers of the Mughals. Babur, Humayun, Akbar, Jahangir, Shah Jahan, and Aurangzeb, and it started in the year of 1526, and it went uh, nearly the, you know, the 1857 before the Crown rule until the point in history of starting of Crown rule, it was Mughals. Okay, right. Anyways, first let's start with Babur. You know that Babur became a sultan. the age of 12 itself but unfortunately his family his entire region was killed and he was wandering around for a lot you know for a for a long period of time to find a home and he found india for that okay so one thing is he was a great statesman he wrote memoirs okay all these things are unnecessary for us anyways even for examination purpose is not going to be useful for it so the establishment of mughal empire in 1605 okay so in mughal empire in 1707 we can see the growth of mughal empire it started just in the northwest part of india and slowly they expanded in the afghanistan pakistan india west bengal assam okay and even up to the point of mysore madras region they slowly occupied okay and next the son of babur humayun okay so one thing about mughals was they followed a practice i mean they followed the practice of coppersonary okay so there are two types of succession one is primogeniture the other one is coppersonary primogeniture is where the eldest son of the father he ascends to the throne that's the primogeniture primo means first geniture means first born okay 
and next is copper scenery copper scenery is the land or the fortune whatever the emperor was holding he would distribute that among the different sons so if for example if he has 10 sons what he'll do is the fortune that he has he'll be distributing the fortune to the 10 sons in the death bed and out of these 10 guys what will happen is they usually fight war fight war against each other the war of succession will happen and the one who is very ambitious most cunning he will ascend to the throne by killing or uh, suppressing other other brothers okay that's how usually copper scenery works that's why even in delhi sultanate and even in mughal empire whenever death happens whenever the king is dying next war of succession happens and also the slave system these guys followed was a pain actually whenever the king dies the slaves never obeyed the sons or daughters of the masters they obey only the masters so after the death of the masters they are like you know uh, hound dogs without any leash so that was a another i mean that was another issue uh, whenever a king dies and that is the reason if you see whether it's akbar or humayun okay or even in delhi sultanates all of the sultans had to ascend to the throne with blood in their hand okay right anyways so humayun was one of the important mughal emperor because he is the only mughal emperor who ruled twice okay he was defeated he came back and then he ascended to the throne clearly you can see 1530 to 1540 for 10 years humayun ruled the mughal empire then sharsha suri came he defeated humayun for 15 years sharsha suri was the ruler of india and after the 15 years humayun came succeeded him one year he ruled and he was i mean he died untimely death okay so apart from that is there anything important that you have to know about himayun guys sir yes ma'am sir humayun was defeated by whom sharsha suri okay okay sir in battle of chausa and battle of anuch okay so sharsha suri he defeated humayun in battle of chausa and battle of anuch and uh, humayun had no other way he narrowly escaped his death Okay, narrowly escaped the death and went to Iran. 
he garnered support from various people okay for 15 years he was away from india what he was doing is waiting for his time to revenge okay he garnered support he gathered a huge army he got the support of another king outside india okay so slowly he developed his army then marched to delhi towards delhi uh, to defeat sersha suri okay and the policy of humayun is a stark contrast with the policy of akbar okay humayun befriend some people to ascend to the throne to eliminate sersha suri but the the son of humayun the akbar once he ascended to the throne he you know he started behaving in a very indifferent way that is the befriend i mean the friend of humayun he was treated humiliated badly by akbar right so this is humayun's storm where is humayun's storm now tomb tomb whatever your pronunciation is delhi ma'am delhi delhi okay hmm are you sure yeah okay then which mughal emperor's tomb is there in afghanistan barber ha babar babara ha yes babar tomb okay good then where is akbar's where is jahangir's not necessary upsc is not going to ask this silly questions anyways okay right anyways then uh, sersha suri okay so sersha suri was a small jagirdar okay um, small jagirdar in bihar comes from bihar okay but he was very ambitious and uh, he was a very courageous and brave person that's why he slowly moved towards west and defeated humayun in the battle of chausa and became the ruler of delhi in 1840 sersha suri period okay sersha suri period was one of the golden period for the indian administration not for art and architecture it's a golden period for the administration because he came up with a lot of measures okay he came up with new kind of ministries which helped shaping the indian polity not only during the period of sersha suri and after the death of sersha suri akbar largely revamped the policies of sersha suri and that's how akbar administration came to be known as you know the greatest administration one of the greatest administration in the indian history and that's why akbar is also known as akbar the great okay apart from his religious tolerant policies akbar's administration is one of the linchpin for the or one of not one of the linchpin for the entire mughal system okay so his administrative system that is the sersha suri's administrative system consisted of various ministries for example here it is given divanai wizarat divanai aris divanai rasalat divanai insha 
okay so these ministries helped shreshar suri to form good policy for just not just the development of his polity not just for the penetration and expansion of his empire but also to control and help the population okay and also shreshar suri's empire was divided into different sarkars so sarkar is the state administration form of state administration or uh, it's a kind of administrative you know divergence of regions right so what is divanai ars you remember divanai ars divanai ars ma'am military department of the sudanai you are not audible sorry minister in charge of army ah yes department of military divanai ars divanai ars was introduced by which emperor divanai ars divanai ars which emperor then divanai kohi which emperor good divanai ars by balban divanai kohi what is divanai kohi and uh, who established it tughlaq what is divanai kohi uh, department of agriculture agriculture department of Agriculture, 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 branding of horses. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, then branding of horses introduced by DG. Allowing branding of horses introduced by allowing DG. Good, very good. And uh, how about Divanai Kairat? Divanai Kairat, Kirosha Tuglak. Good. About what is the department? Like widow remarriage, poor woman marriage bureau. Good. Orphanage and widow right. Good. So keep this in mind. Okay. apart from the divanai kaira divanai kohi divanai ars keep this also in mind divanai wizarat divanai rasalat divanai insha okay so you can understand that he had a foreign minister minister of communication minister in charge for revenue and finance okay so right and other thing about shirsha suri is his military officers were known as shikdar land revenue system was known as amin 
actually this was a previous question amin um, is a terminology related to medieval indian history what does the word amin amil represents okay so it was a upsc question so what you have to do is whenever you are reading medieval indian history and ancient indian history you have to concentrate on the words terminologies for words okay it's a huge potential question whenever you read for upsc the word terminologies are going to be important because upsc is continuously asking these kind of questions for the past 3 4 years at least okay so next year who knows shikdar might apply in i mean might appear in your exam next year or this year okay so be careful while you, you are reading medieval indian history and ancient indian history concentrate on the words terminologies right okay and uh, the revenue system revenue administration of sharshah suri developed okay like apart from that this introduced the land survey system okay sharshah suri introduced the land survey system and this land survey system was adopted by the later mughal empires especially by akbar and expanded during the period of jahangir and shahjahan okay and the other important system is the new silver coins introduced by sharshah suri known as dam okay so this new silver coin system of new silver coin dam is another important contribution for, of sharshah suri and this is also another potential question for upsc okay so the sharshah suri's administration the things that he did one thing is revamping the entire police system okay yeah dam is also known as rupaya okay and sharshah suri borrowed some of the features from his predecessors for example alauddin khilji the branding of horses okay and also sharshah suri developed communication by laying highways right so the four important highways during this period is given sonargam to sindh agra to baram barampur jodhpur to chittur lahor to multan uh, it's not necessary for you just understand that he uh, revamped the entire police structure he borrowed certain features from alauddin khilji he borrowed certain features from mohammed bin tughlaq he followed certain features from firosha tughlaq okay so he followed borrowed various no various ideas from the previous people i mean the predecessors and he also implemented that right sharshah suri though he was a muslim okay though he was a muslim unlike the predecessors that is the delhi sultanates he was tolerant towards the people of other religion okay he employed hindus in important offices okay and uh, the famous fort known as purana kila and the mosque of purana kila built during this period only okay he also built a mausoleum at sasaram what is a mausoleum what is a mausoleum 
गाइस स्टेडियम मौसलियम हाँ स्टेडियम स्टेडियम आ मौसलियम म्यूजियम 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 इस म्यूजियम मौसलियम इस नॉट म्यूजियम थिएटर मैम थिएटर लाइक प्लेस um actually uh, the answer that you people are giving is confusing me it it is puzzling me i myself confused now whether i am right or wrong yeah it's a tomb tomb mausoleum is a tomb okay mausoleum is just a tomb death place death place resting place okay so the mausoleum at sasaram built by shersha suri is one of the masterpiece of indian architecture and the other important thing is padmavat written by mohammed jaisi during the period of shersha suri only the meaning of mausoleum itself tomb okay and anyways uh, in the year 1545 shersha suri died and uh, for the next 10 years uh, his successor ruled but after that humayun came back he conquered the region he established the mughal empire once again okay so you guys go for break and come we'll uh, right go for break and come
Hi. Hey guys. Hi, sir. Uh, okay. <clears throat> right. So before going into uh, next, that is um, the nothing like Humayun came back. Okay. Uh, what happened is when Humayun was away, he garnered support from uh, no uh, um, the other people. Okay. He married a Hindu princess. And Akbar was born between Humayun and the Hindu princess the time he was away. Okay. So, like within next 14 years, Akbar ascended to the throne. And the Humayun untimely death happened uh, right after he came into power. Okay. Because once Shersha Suri was dead, uh, you know that Shersha Suri lived for just five years after ascendance of the throne. So after that, he died. So slowly what happened is the Suri dynasty was going into ruins. You know, right? When there are no ambitious leaders, when there are no good leaders or uh, the emperor, obviously the region will disintegrate into bits and pieces. And that's what happened after the death of Shersha Suri. So it was a good opportunity for Humayun. He invaded once he invaded, he took back his throne. Okay, and within a span of just next six months, what happened is he died by falling in a staircase in the library. Okay, so his untimely death um, happened and Akbar ascended to the throne. So before moving into Akbar, I would like to ask you some questions from previous year only. Right? <clears throat> Alauddin Kilji maintained control on price during his reign because he wanted to gain popularity. True or false? The usual one. You just have to tell whether it's true or false, okay? Alauddin Kilji maintained control on price during his reign because he wanted to gain popularity. True or false? False. False, okay. Is there someone who can explain it? Why it is false? And what is the correct answer? If at all there is one. He did not want uh, the price of price determined hmm. by market so that he controlled hmm. the price. Okay. So Alauddin Pilji maintained control on price during his reign because he wanted to he okay he had mercy on poor people true or false Alauddin Tulji maintained control on price during his reign because he had mercy on poor people mercy with poor people true or false False. False. Okay. Alauddin Kilji maintained control on price during his reign because he wanted to keep large army at lower expenses. True or false? True. 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 Good.
Persian festival of Nowroz in India was introduced by Iltutmish. True or false? False. False. Then, then who did introduce? Balban. 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 Good. Very good. Balban. Okay. The first Indian ruler to organize Hajj pilgrimage at the expense of the state was Feroshad Tuklak. True or false? The first Indian ruler to organize Hajj pilgrimage at the expense of the state was Feroshad Tuklak. True or false? False. False. Okay. Uh, maybe then I'll give you some examples. I mean, sorry, uh, cho uh, choices. Okay. Then I hope you will be able to answer better. Choices are Perosha Tuklak, Alauddin Kilji, mm, Perosha Tuklak, Alauddin Kilji, Akbar. Humayun. Alauddin Kilji. Alauddin Kilji, yeah. Okay. Akbar. Akbar, hmm. Right, guys. What do you know about Firosha Tuklak? We saw about this guy, right? Yesterday only we saw about this guy. So, tell me. What do you know about Prosha Tuklak? He was hostile towards other religion. He was? Hostile towards other religions. Good. He was hostile towards other religion. Hmm. Then? He kept advice of uh, the mullahs. Hmm. Religious scholars. Hmm. Spiritual gurus like Ulema. He controlled his reign. He, he took his administration on the ways of Islamic prescriptions, on the ways of Islamic scriptures. Right? He both Yasiya. Huh? He imposed the Jizya. He imposed Jizya. Okay, good. He pleased the nobles and assured hereditary succession. Ah, good. He gave concession to nobles, right? He gave concession to nobles. He had a you know, welcoming hand for the nobles, unlike his predecessors. Good. Hmm. Made Ikta system hereditary one. So there is one thing particular about Perosha Tuklak is he favored people of his own religion. Am I right? Especially Shia uh, Sunni Muslims, Sunni Muslims. Am I right, guys? Yes, sir. Okay. Now you tell me. Do you think Alauddin Kilji or Akbar would 
favored one particular religion that is their own religious people to go to somewhere spend money give them money to take the travel hajj pilgrimage gilji was also a orthodox muslim right gilji was also an orthodox king okay but so there's a chance for him to comparatively you should see gilji is orthodox muslim was orthodox muslim correct if that is the case everyone was a orthodox muslim okay but here you have to compare the people who's more likely to do something guys as a ah see consider this there are two people okay uh, one person is consider just like me okay there is another person who's known for notorious things like he used to steal okay uh, he used to hurt people and suddenly one question comes out of these two people who murdered okay who murdered someone will you choose me or the other person other person why he is the notorious one he is known for certain things though he never murdered anyone before reason is you have to compare people you have to come up with an option that is more likely to suit the question you know right firosha tuklak is kind of the predecessor the orthodox muslim who was the forerunner for shikandar lodi who was the forerunner for aurangzeb then how can you choose alauddin kilji when you have the option of choosing um uh, this guy um perosha tukla why are you choosing alauddin kilji why are you choosing akbar see that's it it's not you, you cannot expect whatever you read whatever you studied in books textbooks whatever you attended in class it will you cannot expect all of that to come in the exam come in the question paper okay you should have the minimum expectation and all that matters is how well you understood how well you are able to understood and apply that in the exam scenario that's, that's all that matters right right sir okay good price control system for the first time in india was established by mohammed bin tuklak true or false false okay price control system for the first time in india 
was established by Alauddin Khilji. True or false? True. True. Good. Iltutmish belongs to the slave dynasty. True or false? True. True. Giyasuddin Balban belongs to the slave dynasty. True or false? True. True or false? False. False. Mm. Are you sure? See, first it is Kutubuddin Aibar. Second, it is Iltutmish. Third, it is Razia Sultan. Fourth, it is Giyasuddin Balban. Four of them belong to slave dynasty only. Balban also belong to slave dynasty only. Okay. There's no need for you to get confused with this. Okay, guys. Shall we move forward? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Mehrab. Mehrab was introduced by sultans of Delhi. True or false? Mehrab, architectural system, introduced by sultans of Delhi. True or false? Maharab means Maharab, meaning you are asking. Yes, sir. Okay. See. Um, see, the, the uh, how to tell you. See, uh, Muslims usually uh, they look at west right while praying. Whenever they are praying, they look at west side, right? Yes, sir. So when they look at the west side, huh? yeah, towards Makkah. And if for if they are inside the mosque, they usually look at a semicircular. Uh, wall right in mosque. They look at the direction of that semicircular wall in the mosque and pray, right? That is known as mehrab. 
that which indicates vipla or kabba from makka that is mehrab that semicircular niche that semicircular wall that is known as mehrab now you tell me introduced by delhi sultanates true or false sultans of delhi true, true. very good true. good 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 and arch openings in india was introduced by delhi sultanates true or false ah huh? uh, that is also true so you know right arcs domes this gomboj system gol gomboj kind gomboj system mehrab minars minarets are all introduced by the delhi sultanates good Turki was the official language of Mughal court true or false Turki false. was the official language of Mughal court true or false 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 then which is the official language of Mughal court Persian Persian good Babur's tomb is located in India. True or false? False. Babur's tomb. False. Okay. Padmavat was written by Muhammad J.C. True. True or false? Muhammad Jaisi, Padmavat was written by Muhammad Jaisi. True or false? True. True. Okay. Muhammad Jaisi was a court poet of Humayun. True or false? Muhammad Jaisi was a court poet of Humayun. True or false? False. false then in which court in whose court was uh, mohammed jaisi ilji yes sir sir shahsuri okay right so then we'll move on to akbar okay so one thing about akbar is he ascended the throne at the age of 14 okay akbar ascended to the throne at the age of 14 14 so <clears throat> akbar akbar was just a teenager 
right right after his death of the, uh, his father himayun akbar became the monarch akbar became the monarch of india the emperor of india and you know akbar was one of the greatest emperor of india right but the problem when akbar ascended to the throne was it was continuously under the threat of afghans okay especially a person called hemu hemu continuously fought with the uh, mughals he wanted to take his own piece of land from india but fortunately they were able to dominate hemu and hemu escaped from the second battle of panipat okay and uh, fortune favored the akbar as there in the slide fortune favored the akbar and slowly what happened is mughal became victorious in this one but since he was a teenager he cannot act alone right he 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 should have someone and who was that someone i think you all uh, know about this name right the famous personality airangan yes airam khan ha bairam khan acted as his regent okay on the behalf of akbar he acted akbar was just for you know the, the uh, uh, just for the purpose of being a uh, monarch just for the purpose of being a emperor he stood it was bairam khan who acted on behalf of akbar right and during this time bairam khan was an able to leader okay he expanded his uh, expanded the army of mughal he expanded the region of mughal okay but just in a span of 5 years akbar crossed the age of 18 okay akbar acted on his own behalf what will happen what usually happens during this scenario so could you repeat the question once again yes ma'am question is see akbar on behalf of akbar it was bairam khan who was acting okay bairam khan expanded the empire bairam khan was the person responsible for the expansion of army and everything but within a span of 4 years akbar also attained the age of 18 okay so he started to rule the country on his own and obviously there will be some misunderstanding between akbar and uh, bairam khan right because all this time bairam khan was the person who was acting he threatened by the rise of akbar one side and akbar was also threatened by the influence bairam khan holding on the mughal empire what will happen usually in this case scenario in this scenario he will revolt ma'am He removed him. Your voice is very feeble. I'm not getting you. He removed him. Akbar removed Bairam. Is that what you are saying? Right. Okay. Anyways, no issues. Um, there was misunderstanding between Akbar and uh, Bairam Khan. So Akbar removed Bairam Khan from the power. okay and uh, bairam khan was sent to mecca yes he got removed 
and Bairam Khan was sent to Mecca. Unfortunately, on the way, Bairam Khan was killed by Afghans. Okay. Very convincing, right? Is it? Is it convincing or it's not convincing? Not convincing. Nice. Am I audible? Yes, sir. Do you understand my question? Maybe. Yes, Bairam Khan was removed by Akbar. Killed by Afghans. Is it convincing? And is it convincing for you? Not that much convincing. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, Akbar the Great. Right. Anyways, and um, obviously Akbar at the age of nineteen, he started taking control over the entire Mughal India. Okay, as an youngster, he was very ambitious. He was also an orthodox Muslim at the start, very orthodox, just like uh, the predecessors. Okay, but what happened is over a period of time, he learned that only through religious tolerance, only through, no, not just through military expansion and showing muscle flexing. Okay, instead of, uh, instead of showing muscle flexing, he went for concession. He went for matrimonial alliance. He started the policy of religious tolerance. That is why he slowly became Akbar the Great. Okay, and he con he started to conquer the important regions, the northern part of India. He conquered Agra. He conquered Gujarat, right? He conquered even to the Bengal region. He went to the Bengal region. So the entire northwestern frontier, the entire northwestern part of India, came under the control of Akbar. During the initial years itself, okay, it did not take him a lot time to conquer the region. Okay, so in his early 20s itself, he conquered the entire northwestern frontier. And why is it important? Why is it important to conquer the northwest part of India? Why is it important to secure the northwestern part of India? Guys, you understand my question? Okay. Akbar in his early 20s itself conquered the northwest part of India. He conquered Agra, Gujarat, all the uh, important regions of north and northwestern part of India. In his early 20s itself, he secured Northwest Frontier. Why is it important to secure Northwest Frontier? First, instead of expanding the region to South India or Eastern part of India, securing Northern, Northwestern part of India, Northwestern Frontier of India was important for Akbar. Why? More invaders are targeting Northwest part. Good. 
invaders targeting northwest part of india one thing second thing to control trade routes good third thing next good kartik invasions usually happen in that region it's an economically important region that's what she is also telling okay one thing is to secure the region from the invaders and the second thing is the silk trade route the economically important region right apart from that is there any other reason various reasons who are ruling northwest part of india apart from the mughals rajputs ha huh? rajputs good very good rajputs 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 are ruling this region and to secure a strong region you have to suppress those people right how did akbar suppress rajputs matrimonial good exactly and he also fought with them occasionally but uh, barring that uh, occasional uh, skirmishes for example fighting with the uh, uh, rajputs in the gujarat region he majorly held a good relationship with these rajputs okay and the first huge change important change that happened in the mind of akbar was after marrying the daughter of raja bharamal i hope you know the name of the daughter right rajput princess daughter of raja bharamal jodha begum hmm jodha begum yeah jodha bai right so after marrying her his policy changed entirely okay see even if if that is the case even humayun married um, hindu hindu princess only right akbar was the son of humayun and a hindu princess so it they it is he lenient towards them already but after the marriage of jodha bai the leniency increased and he slowly became more tolerant though at initial stages he was an orthodox muslim slowly it got diluted after his marriage with jodha bai <laughs> okay and one beautiful thing happened because of this was two important personalities came into akbar's life okay one was raja bhagwan okay raja bhagwan and the second one is raja man singh i hope you know about this name at least if you do not know about raja bhagwan at least raja ram singh sorry raja man singh you must be knowing right raja man singh no one no idea yes no no idea what no idea sir okay no problem says the raja man singh 
um, held an important position. Okay, these two people, Bhagavan, uh, Bhagavan Raja Bhagavan and uh, Raja Man Singh, came to be associated with Akbar because of his matrimonial alliance and his religious tolerance towards the Rajputs. Okay, so he inducted these two rajas into his administration, gave them highest authority in his administration. So what happened is Raja Man Singh. fought valiantly against his own clan that is a lot of rajputs fought i mean a lot of rajputs i'm sorry he fought against a lot of rajputs okay especially against raja um raja raja pratap singh of mewar okay the only a few rajputs who were standing against akbar was controlled by akbar using the rajputs themselves okay so raja pratap singh uh, raja rana pratap singh was controlled by akbar with the help of raja man singh only okay and the next step is abolishing jizya tax which uh, no which is one of which was the tax which i mean uh, created a huge barricade between the Muslim population and the Rajput clans. Okay, by the abolition of jizya tax, he garnered support, more support from the Rajputs. Okay, and the second thing is he also abolished the pilgrim tax. What is the pilgrim tax? what is the pilgrim tax guys tax on cattle tax on okay what is jizya tax first tell me that tax for non muslims good tax for non muslims then what is pilgrimage tax pilgrim tax tax paid for hajj pilgrim kartika tax on entering any holy places by non muslims tax for entering holy places by non muslims right pilgrim tax so one side he abolished the jizya tax which you know created the barricade between muslim population and the rajputs the other side he also cancelled the pilgrim tax so his relationship relation with the rajputs slowly and steadily became very cordial right and mughals during this period inducted a lot of rajput commanders a lot of raj a lot of the mughal commanders themselves were rajputs during this period and this ensured that rajputs and uh, uh, mughals led a cordial relationship and matrimonial alliances strengthened during the period of akbar okay this is one thing this relation with uh, um, this people um, rajputs and apart from that there is one more thing also his religious policy what are his religious policies religious policies of akbar 
He started his own religion. Ma'am. He started. His own. He accepted all religions. He created a new religion named the Nilahi. Good. Right. Various policies, not just one policy. Um, he started to come up with various religious policies. One of that was establishment of Fatehpur Shikri. What is the meaning of Fatehpur Shikri? I hope some of you must be knowing. Meaning of Fatehpur Shikri. <laughs> Guys, the Sir. city of victory, right? Good, Adrika. City of victory. Okay. So, one thing about Fatehpur Shikri is he constructed something known as Ibadat Kana inside Fatehpur Shikri. This Ibadat Kana held meetings not just with Muslim saints. He held meeting with ulemas. He held meeting with uh, Sufi saints. He held meeting with uh, uh, no, Parsis. He held meeting with Rajputs. He even held meeting with Christians. Okay. So this Ibadat Kana was a kind of spiritual place where people from different religion gathered together and discussed their religious matters and policies. Okay, so this establishment of Ibadat Kana and Fatehpur Shikri signaled a religious tolerant policy of Akbar. Okay, and that is not the end of this religious policy. Okay, after this also, there are certain things as someone said, Din Ilahi. Okay, what is the meaning of Din Ilahi? Someone who said Din Ilahi. What is the meaning of that? Hmm. One God, one God faith. Okay. Divinity. Okay. Right. Dinilai means divine faith, belief in one God, religion for all. Okay. So he adopted this policy of Deen Ilahi, uh, which again gave a religious tolerant perspective on behalf of Akbar. Apart from that, he held no, uh, a close relationship with Sufi saints, especially the uh, Saint Mubarak and his two sons. There are two important sons for Saint Mubarak and one for, I mean, the, the two sons' name is Abul Faizi and Abul Fazl. Who wrote Akbar Nama? Abul Fazl. 
Abul Fazl. Okay, so the Sufi saint who had a close relationship with Akbar was responsible for, uh, no, indirectly maybe you can say, okay, his own son Abul Fazl, who became or who uh, uh, attracted towards the policies of Akbar, wrote Akbar Nama. Okay, Abul Fazl. So continuously, he held important meetings with other people of other religion, Zoroastrianism, Zoroastrians with Christians at Ibadat Kana, slowly introduced some Dimilagi, Sulgi Kul, the tolerant policy towards all religions, garnered support from not just Muslims, but also from other people. Right? But one thing is, the ulemas, they were critical of Akbar policies. Why? They were, the ulemas were critical of Akbar policies. Is there any particular reason for that? Guys. Am I audible? You are saying uh, Muslim orthodoxy, so not getting you. Good, Deepa. Good answer. So they lost their position, obviously, right? When Akbar was not just following Ulemas, he got the help of other people, he got the help of other religion, and these Ulemas always had uh, issues with Sufi saints, one side, and Akbar is very close with Sufi saints. Okay, so these ulemas were very critical of Akbar's policies because of his religious policy on side. Right, good. So, apart from his relation with um, Rajputs and apart from his religious tolerant policy, there is one more thing that Akbar is known for, his administration. Am I right? Especially his land revenue administration and the introduction of a new system called Mansabdari system based upon the Iktadari system or Iktas of Delhi Sultanates. Okay. So, the new land revenue system introduced by Akbar this period, during this period is known as Zapti system or Bandobast system. Okay. And there is a famous personality in Akbar's court known as Raja Todarmal, or Raja Todarmal. I hope you at least heard this name in your school times, right? Raja Todarmal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. This Raja Todarmal of Mughal court, he helped Akbar in forming this policy known as Zapti system, Z-A-B-T-I, Zapti, or Bandobast system. 
guys be very careful i am telling this again and again these kind of words okay this terminology is very important okay is there any other uh, meaning for zapti these days in current day see zapti is there any current meaning entirely different from uh, the revenue system sir measurement measurement no that's the land measurement that's not i'm asking zapti is there any other current day usage for zapti word zapti or japti okay um when you default a loan okay usually the banks confiscate your uh, uh, securities right ah uh, good good kartik acquisition the banks does is after you default your uh, loan they'll usually confiscate your land or uh, confiscate your house whatever the securities they you have signed okay the current terminology or the current usage for the word zapti is this one acquisition or confiscation and uh, no confiscation and acquisition of your land that is known as zapti these, these days okay so whenever you read something in medieval or ancient understand the meaning of the terminology and know if there is any equivalent word in usage current day okay shall move forward yes sir okay right <clears throat> this is the thing and uh, zapti system or bandobast system of mughals is one important thing next is the mansabdari system so first you people tell me about ikta system what is ikta system what is ikdadari system whether it is hereditary or non hereditary how it is managed who controls that who pays whom tell me about ikta system first of all tax collection under military command okay kartika uh, is there anything else apart from that just tax collection under military commander ah what is his role what is the role of that military commander these commanders are known as ikhtadars okay and the land they hold is known as ikhtas good what is the role of these commanders what do they do they lead a military campaigns maintain law and order ha ah. right <clears throat> see 
the itta system or ittadari system is where a chunk of land would be provided to a military commander okay what this military commander does is he, he lease out i mean lease out this land to some farmers or peasants okay and he cultivates this land okay so he collects revenue from that land okay one side the other side whenever he was called upon he should provide horse he should provide men to fight the war for the sultan okay so one side he provides horse men and uh, and the implements iron implements or the sword whatever it is the arms okay he should provide for the sultan whenever called upon in exchange of that he is given a chunk of land which he has to take care and reap the benefits of that land and keep it for himself you understand yes sir so this is that ikta system and sir can you repeat now yeah sure see ikta system is where the one military commander will be given a chunk of land okay so what he does is he lease out the land or he collects revenue from the land from uh, collects revenue from the land okay he employs some people or uh, some people they do agriculture or whatever they do in this land they'll be giving him money this money will be kept by the military commander himself he collects that money he does not give that money to the commander i mean he does not give the money to the sultan instead whenever the sultan calls him whenever he is called upon what he does is he provides iron implements he, that is arms he provides men he provides arts to fight the war on the behalf of to fight the war for the sultan you understand yes sir who made this hereditary Firoshatu. Firoshatu. Who made this hereditary, this ikta system, tadari system? Good. Firoshatu. 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 Good. Right. So, this is ikta dari system. Now, mansab dari system was introduced by Akbar on the lines of just like iktas. okay so in mansabdari system what akbar did was one small twist and one small tweak first thing is one important changes iktadari system was hereditary right it was converted into hereditary by firosha tukla now in mansabdari system it was not hereditary in nature that means your land can be taken away from you once you are dead it won't be passed upon to your sons right one important change okay and mansabs obviously ikta iktadari system land is known as iktas the guys who are holding it is known as 
Ikhtadar, just like that, Mansab is the land. The people who are holding that Mansabs are known as Mansabdars. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Okay. So, under this Mansabdari system, each Mansabdars were given one rank. Okay, just like how in school they'll give first rank, second rank, third rank. And uh, the guy who got first rank would be like, you know, he's the topper of the class. And the guy who's getting 10th rank, he is at 10th position. Okay. So like that, for months of dust, each month of dust will be given one particular rank. Okay. This rank is also known as Mansab or Zat. Z-A-T. Okay. You understand? Yes, sir. Okay. So, Mansab or Zat is the rank given to a person and uh, it differs from one person to other person. So, if a person is having rank, uh, for example, Zat, for his, Zat is 10. Okay. He's holding a low position. If a guy is having 500 zat, that means he is higher in rank. If a person is holding 1000 zat, that means he is having higher, uh, he is having higher rank. Why? Usually in schools, we have first rank is the higher rank, right? Highest rank is first rank, then sec, uh, 2, 3, 4 is higher when compared to 10, 15. Why here it is 10 is the least and 500, 5000, 1000 are high, higher when compared to 10, 15. Why so? Guys, do you understand my question? Am I audible? Do you understand? Yes, sir. Oh. Tell me. Here, more the rank, more will be the position. Oh. You understand my question, right? In schools, first rank is the highest, second, third, fourth, and lower is compared, I mean, it is low ranks. But here, a person who's holding 10 is the lowest, and a person who's holding 100, 500, 1000, 2000, they are higher. Why? I hope you understand my question. Sir, yes, ma'am. Sir, on what basis they are giving this rank? Ah, that's it. That differs. See, if a Mansabdar is the son of emperor, he will be having different zat. Obviously, he is the, the son of uh, emperor, so his Mansab is big, right? Obviously, his zat, his rank is also uh, could could also be big. Okay, sir. If, uh, 
uh, if he is the son of like bastard son of the emperor comparatively low he is the son of a noble if he is the son of a noble his mansab will be low his zat will be low his rank will be low you understand right if he is just an if he is a noble different rank if he is the son of noble different rank if he is just a courtesan different rank so depends upon one person's or uh, no position it will change if it is a governor his mansab would be different okay so more mansab means more land more land means more revenue bigger position big positions in the administration means bigger the land bigger the mansab bigger the zat that's why a person who's having 10 zat is lower lower in the category and a person who's having 1000 or 2000 is considered higher because if he if he has 1000 that means he has a huge chunk of land that means huge money and he comes from a good background huge background you understand yes sir so this kind of zat mansab rank was not present in iktadari system this is a kind of pure form of iktadari system or improved form of iktadari system the hereditary position was cancelled okay and the other thing is introduction of value introduction of rank zat in this okay so this is the mansabdari system other than that everything else is same okay and one more thing is savar s a w a r see savar is nothing savar is just uh, you know uh, number of horses or number of horses one person should maintain okay so okay, appointment dismissal of a mansab of a mansabda will be taken care directly by the emperor so each mansab would be directly reporting to the emperor not to anyone else right do you understand guys sir can you repeat once more about savar oh savar is nothing savar means horse okay the person who horse horse so each okay, mansab that each mansab uh, each zat i mean who was holding that mansab who are having this rank zat he should maintain certain number of savars that is horses okay so potential question in upsc is zat savar okay mansabdar mansab difference between ikhtadari system and mansabdari system okay these are potential questions especially revenue systems are very potential whether it's delhi sultanate or mughal it is 
no, it's very potential question because even in, in the uh, 2019 or uh, 20, the question about the system once again came in UPSC. Okay, so it's a very potential question. So whenever you are reading, kindly concentrate on this revenue systems. Okay. Okay, sir. Right. So now we'll look at some questions of Akbar from previous questions. Then we'll wind up our class for today. Okay. So just uh, take uh, just like this, true or false. Patepur Shikri was started by Humayun. True or false? False. False. Started by whom? Uh, Akbar. Akbar. Jagirdars, Jagirdars are the large estate owners under Akbar. True or false? Jagirdars are the large estate owners under Akbar. True or false? Jagirdars. Hmm? Guys, Jagirdar means Ananda. Hmm. What? Do you understand my question? No sir. Okay. See, Jagirdas. Okay, Jagirdas is the other name for Mansabdas. Nothing else. Now you tell me, Jagirdas are the large estate owners under Akbar. True or false? Uh, true. True. Estate means what? Land right. Mansabdas were given zat that is rank, and based upon that rank, they held certain chunk of land. Okay, so Jagirdars are large estate owners under Akbar because he only introduced that system. Mansabdars are otherwise known as Mansabdars are otherwise known as Jagirdars. Good. the most important feature of the land revenue system of akbar was collection of land revenue in kind or cash true or false the most important feature of the land revenue system of akbar was collection of land revenue in kind or cash So false. False. Good. The most important feature of the land revenue system of Akbar was the collection of land revenue 
directly at the central treasury true or false true true the true. system is you know right sapti raja todarmal yes sir okay so directly by the central treasury true good humayun introduced the mansabdari system in india true or false false, false. good akbar introduced din ilahi which became very popular true or false true, true. false actually din ilahi did not become famous ah uh, so okay so it lost its relevance right after the death of akbar even when akbar was alive din ilahi uh, as a religion it was not that popular at all din ilahi prescribes one single god and people belonging to other religion obviously they are not going to accept that okay divine for all one one true god it's not appealing to other religion so no it was not popular at all and it never became popular and right after the death of uh, akbar jahangir threw it outside the window okay sir right din ilahi was a religious order suitable for all the people true or false din ilahi was a religious order suitable for all the people true or false so true true good akbar found din ilahi to ensure racial and communal harmony true or false so true okay then what is the purpose of ibadat khana you understand what is the, then what is the purpose of ibadat khana if dinila is going to ensure racial and communal harmony then what is the purpose of ibadat khana then what is the purpose of sulhi kul sulhi kul means peace for all introduced by akbar only guys you understand my question am i audible yes sir yes sir right akbar found din ilahi primarily to establish a national religion which would be acceptable by both hindus and muslims true 
that is true it is a religious order it is a religion in itself deen ilahi means a religion a separate religion it's not established to ensure racial and communal harmony between two different religions it itself a religion deen ilahi okay the purpose to ensure communal and racial harmony he introduced ibadat karna he introduced sulhi kul the policy of universal peace but deen ilahi is a religion which accepts people from different religion okay so it's private it's just a religion one single religion which accepts one single god okay sir right actually lot of questions come from uh, mansabdari system only so be very careful about mansabdari system din ilahi sulhi kul fatehpur shikri buland darwasa okay recurrently questions are coming from these areas only okay sir right the mansabdari system introduced by akbar was was borrowed from the afghans true or false the mansabdari system introduced by akbar was borrowed from afghans true or false 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 okay the mansabdari system introduced by akbar was borrowed from turks true or false false it was actually borrowed from mongols okay because the ikta system was itself based upon mongols okay sir right good yaini akbari was written by abul faizi true or false yaini akbari aim i akbari was written by abul faizi true or false uh false false then who wrote it abul fazl ah because usually people get confusion okay abul faizi and abul fazl there's only one letter difference so be be careful while uh, going to answer in the examination because upsc usually gives this kind of twist instead of faizi they'll give and uh, fazl they'll instead of fazl they'll give faizi and twist you like anything in the exam so be careful about it Any Akbari Akbar Nama was written by Abul Fazl, not Faizi.
right okay so that's all for today we'll wind up our class if you have any doubt kindly ask me otherwise this is the end of our class for today any doubts no sir Yeah. Thank you then. Thank you all. Have a good day. Thank you sir. Thank you sir.